Welcome, everybody, to episode 83 of the Racing Line podcast. It's just Joe here today, and we're here back with friend of the podcast, if we can say that, Joey Mawson, uh, on for part two, uh, a bit over a year since he's come on, and a lot has changed. Two times uh, F5000 champion going for a three-peat uh, in the box seat to do that as well, and also recently in the news uh, about the whole dilemma about getting a super license to run in the endurance uh, races in 2023. Um, we're going to hear from the man himself. So thank you, Joey, for being here. Uh, thank you. Such a very impromptu and you got back to me ASAP. So I didn't want to sort of squander the opportunity. Um, <laughs> so for, firstly and foremost, how you been doing? Um, you tell me you're on a work camp. Um, just how's yes. life treating you at the moment? Yeah, no, life's been very good. Obviously, um, yeah, very much enjoying a, a successful season in uh, S5000. So, um, yeah, just riding riding the wave at the moment, really, while it's uh, while it's all good and, and successful. Um, yeah, other than that, uh, work's good, family's good. So, uh, yeah, happy days. How has it been? Um, well, the last time we spoke to you, you were just uh, one-time champion at the time. But having, you know, backed up and on the way to doing it again, has your outlook of at sort of racing in that championship changed at all um, due to, you know, the last two years of success or is it um, sort of very similar to how it was before? Um, no, I mean, the only thing that changes obviously, you know, from year upon year is obviously after the success, you have a little bit more confidence within yourself to, to know you can do it. Um, but as far as the, you know, the mindset goes, it, it's still all the same. Um, you're always trying to improve every weekend. I mean, even now, I'm. I feel like I'm only just starting to get my head around this, you know, S five thousand cars, which is probably, I guess, where some of the success is coming from this season. Um, you know, I've been constantly learning, and uh, this year I've also been able to benefit from the funding from Team eighty eight and ACM Finance. So, um, for example, I experienced my first test day at Winton, um, which is my first, like, literally my first test day in S five thousand car, even though I've been driving it for now going into my third season. So. Um, obviously, bits and pieces like that help, um, but uh, at the same time, it's been exciting as well to have different contenders every year. Obviously, in year one, it was Thomas Randall. In year two, it's been uh, Jimmy Golding, uh, and and this year, it's young Cooper Webster um, as far as being a championship contender. I will say quickly, even though it doesn't mean anything, the new livery on the car does look amazing. Um, it was <laughs> funny at the, when that rolled out. I was looking for the um, the black, I think it was a black and red, uh, yeah. and then I was like, oh, I'm looking for the wrong colors. Um, uh, but it does, it, it, it is a striking and a really, really gorgeous livery. So that's that's actually a probably interesting point to pick on. So you've been in the championship, this is now your third year, and you've only mm -hmm. other, other than actual sort of well, practice qualifying and racing, this is the first you've actually been able to um have a dedicated practice session. And correct, and what, correct. Can't are you? Yeah. Can you go into sort of the finances that it takes to go on a practice session for one of these cars? Yeah, I don't know the exact cost to be honest, because obviously okay. my funds is covering it all, but it's um it would definitely be in the five digits. Okay. Wow, okay. Yeah. So that's and and what part of sort of improving your racing style in terms of racing these cars has have do you think you've got on top of the most this year? Because I suppose that running 
now as your third year, you have had, the car hasn't changed. So you have had a lot of sort of practice qualifying and race sessions to really hone those skills. But even still like three years in, that's to, to still be picking up stuff. And probably that is that could also be show why you are so dominant now because you've just had that much time in the car. What what part of the sort of driving style have you really been honing in on recently then? Um, I think it's just understanding the tyre, understanding how to get best out of the tyre. I mean, obviously now we've reached that again because we're on the on the soft tyre, but um, it's really just understanding the feeling on the braking. And a few times now when I've got kind of lost on a race weekend in the past, I can understand why, just because the approach to the driving style was wrong. Um and yeah obviously when you have a test day you can also try different you have the opportunity and time to try different things when you're on a race weekend you're kind of just optimizing what you have you know you yeah. can't flip the car upside down because you only got two practices and they're 20 minutes on old tires so um yeah the, the test day just allows you to just test stuff to, to you know get new uh, idea new mindset on certain things and also for me to just backup stuff and try different stuff with uh with the driving as well it's awesome well i might i might actually uh go to the questions i was probably going to leave for the end which was sort of about uh your forays into gt3 racing with the bathurst 12 hour but this might seg- segment a little bit better so driving a gt3 car then is totally different i'm guessing from anything you've uh driven before uh, and and yep. the stuff that you've driven are all very different. You know, the, the European formula cars coming, uh, You, I think you said you started here in a Porsche Cup car. Um, have you tested a supercar? Yes. So I've tested the Gen 3. I've tested the Gen 2. Okay. I've done two evaluation days with uh, one day with Brad Jones Racing, one day with yeah. Walkinshaw. Okay. And then I had the opportunity to do about 15 laps in the Gen 3 uh, with Premier Racing, which is at the Supercars official test day and then also at a private test day in Queensland Raceway. Okay. So how does how does the uh, GT3 car sort of uh, differ from all the different cars you've driven? Uh, especially, I think you've, you guys have recently driven the um, – the 5,000 cars at Bathurst as well. So how was yep. it jumping into a GT3 car in like a, a proper race as well around the mountain? Uh, oh, they're incredible. I've, I actually found probably the GT3 was probably more impressive around Bathurst than the S5000. Yep. Um, the cars are so stiff. They're so nimble. they got so much aero. It actually felt more like a single-seater around there, the feeling that I've had compared to single-seaters I've driven in the past, like the Formula 3 in the GT3 card than it did compared to when I drove the S5000 there. So, um, yeah, mega experience. I mean, uh, the cars have come a long way there. Yeah, you can just feel the technology and just the money that's gone into them now. They're, uh, yeah. they're really, really an expensive and amazing product to drive. And um, you're, I know you're very into your fitness, but how was it, like what was the longest stint that you had to do in that 12-hour race and did it, sort of differ from anything you'd done before and did you have to change your mindset? 100%, 100%. So, um, yeah, I mean, up until that point, I've never really done a stint more than an hour, which was in a go-kart. So in a race car, I've never done more than half an hour, let's say. So um, I think in the opening stint, I was just under two hours. Yeah. Um, so I actually found uh, when I got out the car, my glutes were completely locked because when I'd done my seat, I was only doing like eight lap runs. So I never really sat in the car for, 
for long enough. So I realized my seat was too tight around my glute area and was kind of pressing into my glutes and, and locking them. So, um, yeah, obviously you get a very dehydrated as well. I probably finished one of the water bottles in one of the stints. I was almost having water every lap, um, particularly because I wasn't running the aircon to try to get more power out of the car. Okay, yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I find in endurance, you just, you really get into a zone, um, particularly obviously when there's a lot of traffic around, you know, the stints tend to go very quick. Um, and you're kind of just racing yourself and trying to really just pace yourself to be able to make minimal mistakes and just run as consistent as you can. Um, so a little bit of a different mentality to sprint racing for sure. Are you, are you sort of compromising on your speed due to the length of the race? Like, are you sort of running more to a number than your outright pace because, you know, it's a 12-hour race and there's no real point sort of risking it until you sort of get to that last couple stints? Like, was that an interest? Was that a different sort of mentality for you as well? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, yeah, you're building into it, obviously, as it's a, a long race um, because <laughs> – yeah, obviously in a, in a sprint race, you know, you, you basically, you, you got those 12 laps and that's it, the race is done. So you're trying to push straight away from the start, whereas a 12 hour, um, the worst thing you can do is make a mistake or stick it in the wall. So you're really pacing yourself throughout the whole race. Obviously the track is evolving as well. So I found myself and just like most of the, the quick drivers in the field doing our best laps on the, you know, the last two hours, hour of the race. For sure. Well, I, was, I was there uh, last year, not this year. Um, and the conditions as well, it was so wet. Um, mm -hmm. and I'd never, because it had, I had never been held in the middle of the year. Most of the times we'd gone up there, you know, it was, it was like really nice, sunny. The sun comes up early cause it was in summer. Um, and then mm -hmm. we got there and it was dark and it was darker for longer. And you, did you say you started the race as well? Yeah, I did. So actually. How was that yeah. driving in the driving in the dark and the wet? I mean, uh, that's like yeah, baptism of fire. It was. It was. I was. I wasn't actually meant to start the race, um, but then yeah, after we had that crash, Nick Perkat said no, I'd prefer for Joey to start. So um, well, yeah, that's a big vote of confidence. <laughs> yeah, it was a big vote of confidence indeed. I wasn't really. I wouldn't say I wasn't confident, but I definitely was nervous because obviously it's dark, you know, you're starting a race. The start of the race is normally where it's a little bit hectic as well because the pros are generally, you know, not given an inch. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure I had Mara Engel who finished second in the end uh, behind me for most of the opening stint, which was pretty nuts. So um, he was trying to overtake <laughs> me in, in places over the top and, yeah, it was, it was nuts. So, um, is that yeah. Is that an... Is that a race that you're interested in doing again in the future? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. Like I have, I think the first time I went there was maybe about five or probably six or seven years ago. Actually, now that I think about it, um, yeah. And it is, it's, it's like it's. There hasn't been a sort of a race a, event in Australia that I've been to that is sort of that I think is encapsulated. You know, European racing, I think, like that. It's like it's got its own very different feel. Um, mm -hmm. And I've, and I one thing I think that has been great, uh, like sort of with the COVID reset, was that we got to see a lot more of the Australian drivers, Australian teams sort of at the forefront, whereas sort of the yep. years before when the when, when you had that influx of the European teams and drivers coming in, um, you sort of, it was harder to sort of feel that attachment. Um, yep. And I hope, I hope even though... Like, from what we're hearing that it's going to be another bumper year next year. I, I still hope that sort of the broadcast and, 
and um, the Australian drivers and teams that are on display sort of get a little bit more of that time in the sun because, like, really, you you are the guys that we sort of you know hear about every day, and we're in, in the other categories, whether it's supercars or you know all the speed series drivers as well who are involved. They're they're sort of the ones that we it's easier to sort of feel an attachment to you because we're the one you're, you're the ones we hear about for the rest of the year, I suppose, until that event again. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's all. That's good to hear. All right. So let's sort of get into the meat and the potatoes of why I thought it'd be interesting to, to have a chat with you. And it's this whole sort of super license, um, would you call it a dilemma for you at the moment? Yeah, it's definitely a dilemma. I mean, it's, um, yeah, it's been going on for quite a while in the media. Obviously, it's probably since February. So, so, so yeah, you said, I've been. You said before you did your test with um with Newland Racing. Will that be mm-hmm. who you'll be racing for if you were to get the license? Yes, correct, correct. And so how, that would have been played. And how do you how do you get to do a testing without in the official test without a super license, but then aren't able to race the car? without the super license, like what, what's the difference, I suppose, number one. And then what is it that us plebs don't understand about attaining this super license? Cause most people who sort of, ex- you know, sort of follow their racing half decently would know sort of what you've done before and where you mm-hmm. came from and not, and not necessarily that that should be a prerequisite for getting a super license, but it's not like mm-hmm. you went there and, and, and you did nothing, you know, you were, you were probably one of the, when you were in Europe, probably you were the Australian sort of poster boy at the time. Um, Mm -hmm. And not sort of like um, sort of shine sunlight up your ass, but you know, you were, you were a big thing for those of us who were here. Um, And it wasn't like you didn't perform, you performed very well. So what is it that you then need to, to sort of what boxes did you need to tick to actually get this thing? Um, I mean, (laughs) Yeah, firstly, the offer came from Premier having, you know, competed in, in S5000 and had the success that we have. I mean, one of Premier's um, full-time drivers is Jimmy Golding, who's been uh, one of my rivals throughout the S5000 um, season. And who you've um, been. And, and, yeah, I, <laughs> I don't like to brag about it, but who, who I've been fortunate to beat. Um, so, um, yeah, and then also I drove with Tim Slade, who was my teammate um, for one round in, in Tasmania. And... Um, I guess you could say he's giving me a favour back because we end up clashing that weekend okay. um, in in race two. So um, yeah, um, Tim, I've obviously initiated the the offer. I've also built a relationship with Peter Zibrus, um, You know, in the past season, um, chatting to him at the track um, in the weekends that share the race weekends with S five thousand. But yeah, uh, that was how the the offer initially started, um, and then. Yeah, when I was at the test, one of the team bosses came up to me and told me that uh, I wouldn't be um, I wouldn't be allowed to drive, uh, you know, having not done Super Two. So that's so that's what so that's the the sticking point is it the fact that you haven't done Super Two? Yes, correct. That's the main thing. Yeah, and and you can only attain a super license from doing Super Two. Um, well, that's what they that's the argument that they're pushing at the moment. That's the whole reason why they're not wanting me to give me dispensation. Um, the fact that I haven't done Super 2. Um, ironically, if I was a gold status driver in the FIA driver grading, um, I would 
yeah, I would be allowed to start. That's the kind of loophole. Um, yeah. But because I'm a silver, um, they won't uh, they won't allow me to um, yeah to drive having not done the six races of Super Two. Um, so that's where yeah where I got blocked really from having that opportunity. Okay, so you, so so what they're saying is you either have to do and and does it matter on the results of your performances in Super Two, or is it just you have to do your six races? Pretty much, you just have to do your six races. <laughs> yeah, see, like, that, so, like, that doesn't make that doesn't make much sense to me. And I yeah. know, like, like we've had quite a few Super Two drivers who have you know done uh, wild cards, um, and even some who yeah, like even Bathurst wild cards. I think the Chatter uh, Chatter did a wild card last what well, last year. I think it was. So, mm-hmm. so that is a sticky one. And then, and then in the, in the, in the, uh, well, what the news article that sort of sparked this again for me was very recently. So it, what is it now? Supercars is applying on your behalf to the FIA to get that, uh, driver rating changed mid year. Is that the motorsport Australia is. So motorsport Australia. Yeah. And, and what is the realistic chance of it getting changed mid season? <laughs> probably not much because it's it's difficult i mean the fi don't do the driver ratings till the end of the year yeah. um till november december um generally drivers are always wanting to get downgraded not upgraded um obviously in this case i need to be upgraded for the supercars um situation um and of course you know it's not the fia's problem so they're yeah it's a backbone you know, issue for them yeah, it's a backbone issue for them. It's um, it's not really their problem. So obviously, we're we're playing them, um, with them through Motorsport Australia to be able to change it. Um, obviously, from the news articles that we got through Speed Cafe, you know, it looks as though supercars would be willing to give me dispensation, but obviously, they'd prefer not to. Um, they'd prefer for me to have the gold status so that uh, yeah, they still enforce so the six race for two. Uh, okay, so it's so it's sort of become now a matter of semantics. So if you can get your gold rating, it's better for them because then a, a driver, another driver, can't say use you sort of as a a, a reason. Like, well, I can't. Remember. I don't know what the law word is. I, I know what I'm thinking, but they can't use you as an example yeah. in the future and say, example. Oh, but Joey Correct. got a dispensation, Correct. so give it to me. Yeah, yeah so that's, see, that's, that's their biggest fear as well. I'm sure they would like to help me out and they understand I'm a, a, probably a, a different case, a unique case with the experience that I have. But at the same time, if they were to give me dispensation, then it would probably open the floodgates for many other young drivers, which, you know, in my opinion, would be a good thing. But obviously then would, defer, you know, defer their Super 2, enforcing their Super 2 races. Well, I think when we – I think we had um... – it was when we had Nathan Hearn on, and he was just he was discussing this as well about um, the sort of the the budget that you need to go Super Two racing and how and and I I'd never knew how sort of astronomical that was as well just to go Super Two racing, but mm-hmm. he was he was sort of saying the same thing. I think that's why he's moved to uh, that was one of his sort of pushes to go to America. As he said, I've done what I can. Um, in Australia, sort of in the Trans Am of the budget I've got. And he said, like, mm-hmm. realistically, I don't have that budget here to go Super 2 racing and go supercar racing. So it's better off for me to sort of go overseas and and try and make something there because it's mm-hmm. sort of such a, a, a closed 
licensing, especially when you think of the the amount of sort of racing that we have here now with uh, the Australian GT Championship, we've got S5000, you've got the TCR Championship as well, a lot and Trans Am, a lot of that good stuff that's on that's on Speed Series. The fact that mm-hmm. it is still sort of such a closed club in supercar land. And I think even Paul Morris made an interesting point that I didn't know about either this week with Kizzy going to NASCAR. He said he could go from here to there so easy, but like a cup driver from there coming here to race in supercars would still have to apply for that super license as well. And I was like, surely not, but um, it seems to be the case. Uh, How is it, how is it for you? Like, like realistically motorsport is, a, a, a sort of a path that you're trying to chase to sort of, I don't know if you say like make a living from it, but to sort of to have a to have it closed due to such, well, I, you could like from an outsider looking in such pointless reasons, um, mm-hmm. considering that like if it was the same for one of the guys who have who have go or gone overseas now, you know like. Um, I was watching the Spa 24 last week and um, Peroni was racing in that as well and he wouldn't qualify for a gold licence. But for those of us who like supporting our boys abroad, for them to not be able to partake in our events, it's such mm-hmm. a – I feel like it's such a, a missed opportunity for the sport to sort of grab some of that, A, that younger sort of demographic who might be following their favourite drivers go abroad. Um, but then also like for you, it's like, what is the point of going and trying to chance it in Europe? And then, you know, if you come back, you still sort of kept out of the boys club because you haven't done six races of super two. Like, do you have a, uh, a thoughts on that? Considering that, um, there aren't many of you guys who go across anyway, like it's a big leap of faith. hundred percent. I mean, it's almost like we're getting punished for, you know, trying to chase after the Formula One dream because basically when we come back, we almost have to start from zero. And obviously it's a lot of money and investment and experience that goes into going to Europe. And yeah, in my case, I mean, I would have loved to have done Super 2, but the whole reason I can't is because the budget's just astronomical. Um, So not everyone can, can, can drive in Super 2. So they, yeah, it's, it's frustrating because, they're narrowing the talent pool that can that can enter supercars by enforcing that. Not everyone can do super two. That's, That's right. the reality. A lot of good drivers that are you know spread across many other categories: S five thousand, TCR, Trans Am. That uh, the reason the whole reason they're there and not in super two is because they you know that's the budget that they can afford and are limited to. So, um, and, yeah. and, and, and just so, sorry, keep going. Sorry. Yeah, and uh, if you want to have the best drivers in the top series of Australia, you know, you want to be able to get the best scoop of, of talent pool. That's right. And, I, and and this has sort of opened my eyes a bit as well because without probably without just due to a bit of ignorance, I've in the last year we've sort of been discussing like uh, where are the you know the, the next wave of younger drivers, um, mm-hmm. but if it is you know that. If, if you have to sort of jump through those hoops to get a super license, um, in some ways it, it also gives the sort of old guard who are there and, you know, whether or not you agree with me about who I've mentioned before and not you, but like I've mentioned a few names before who who do have a super license, it probably does extend their stay in, in the category as well because 
there isn't there isn't as many people as you know you can probably choose from to actually come in because you don't have a super license itself. For you to get yeah. upgraded from your silver rating to a gold rating, do you have to jump through any criteria for that as well, or you can just no, no, absolutely, absolutely, you do. So, um, technically, I should have been a grade a gold grade after having won the F four championship, which classifies as a T two championship. Yeah. Um, so. I'm actually underrated, which is frustrating as well because had I had gold, I would never have had this whole super license drama. Um, so, um, and I think F, I'm pretty sure S5000 also counts as a tier three championship. So, you know, those two titles plus the F4 championship, I'd, you know, have more more than enough credentials to, to be a gold status driver. Do you have to apply for that gold status? Is that why it hasn't happened yes. before? Okay. Yes, you do. You do, um, and it's reviewed basically at the end of the year in November, December. And and when and when you so you you went to this test day, not knowing yep. that that you were that you weren't eligible uh, mm-hmm. due to the fact that you didn't have a super license. Uh, was, I'm pretty sure I was still allowed. To, I was still allowed to test, even though it was a super license, because it was a test day. But okay. to actually race, you need to have a super license. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. It never got brought up about me driving on the test day. It was the whole fact about trying to be on the grid. Okay. Well, like from the outside looking in, and and this is sort of where where it sort of doesn't mean much because we're just fans. Um, but like I said before, the fact that there are there are sort of there's a level of drivers who and like especially in your case like we've had James Golding on here as well and it's and it's not like I'm bashing his talent at all because like he's a great he's a great driver but for him to then leave supercars you know race directly against you same as Tom Randall but for them to have that sort of super 2 career before you and then you two in the same category pretty much same cars back-to-back champion, then not be able to sort of get into that group again. It just looks so odd from the outside. Like, and I'm, and I'm, I watch too much motorsport for, so for someone who's more casual than me and it's like, how come this guy who I was watching last year race against this exact guy can't, you know, can't join the same club. It is so yeah. bizarre. And I, and I didn't realize it like how, like how bizarre it got till I'd read that, that article last week. Um, mm-hmm. But my, my goodness, like it is such a, it is sort of such a, a boys club that, um, and, and, and the fact is that you're the person who's getting punished most for you. You know, you, you're in a, in a realistic point of view, every year in motorsports is sort of a year you're not going to get back and you're trying to get to that, you know, you're sort of chasing that carrot, trying to get to that spot as quick as you can. Cause realistically yeah. that's what everyone else is trying to do as well. Um, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm realistically and and i've i'm gonna like I'm, i've sort of started looking into it more now but it's such it's really is um like to the detriment of the fans who are the ones who sort of who watch it and want to and want to say like what would happen if if he had a chance and like i've i've said this recently as well like when when you have a driver who's coming to the end of the, their career, you sort of you sort of get to an understanding of what their level is, and you understand like, mm-hmm. all right, so this this guy is a 
let's say average sort of 16th, 15th kind of driver. But then you sort of have this idea, like if it were, if he was to get moved out, I'm not, and I'm not advocating for people to get moved out and all that kind of stuff, but like there is sort of always an unknown of if we were to give it to a hungry driver who hasn't had that chance before, you know, you drive a S5000, which everyone says is probably one of the closest cars to drive like a supercar in the way it handles and you're great at it. And Jimmy Golding's had some great, you know, performances in this new supercar as well. You know, it's sort of like Absolutely. it's it's all a game of like what ifs, and it's just like, come on, guys, let's just get it done and you know get it sorted for the fans. You know, if, mm-hmm. if not for anyone, because they're the guys who like are really paying for the tickets and paying for the subscriptions, and they deserve to, you know, sort of see the best um, mm-hmm. and and make a new, you know, make a new following for the Joey Morsons, the Goldings, you know, because you know the other guys can't stay there forever. It's mm-hmm. uh, it is a like a really like interesting sort of cycle, but also it comes across as, across as such a dick around from the outside looking in. Um, mm-hmm. What is, what is like, what is, what do you think your chances are of making the supercars grid for these enduros? Like realistically. It's hard and, to say, to be honest. Um, and in the, it, in the last few weeks, it's definitely a lot better, but um, yeah, if you asked me if, uh, six weeks ago, I would have said zero. If you ask me now, it's certainly looking a lot more likely, but nothing's promised. And and has it has it been through a, through a, like a lot of pushing from you to get this done, and 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 from like Newland Racing, or is it now has the onus sort of been taken by Motorsport Australia? Um, oh, there's been a lot of push from other people behind the scenes. Um, obviously not. Neulon Racing are in a careful situation because, you know, as much as they want me, they're not going to upset supercars over an Fair enduro enough. driver. Yeah. Um, obviously, they're in support of me, but they can only do so much. But I've obviously had a lot of other people behind the scenes that have been pushing for me and putting a good word in for me and supporting me. And, you know, that's been certainly a, a, a lot of help, you know, for example, the Roland Danes article to get yeah. it out in the media to explain to, to the fans and everyone what the exact situation is and all the facts and figures. Yeah. So, yeah. That, I thought I thought that was actually a really um, important article. That was probably the, the one that probably gave me the most clarity, to be, to be honest, because it, like mm-hmm. regardless, of, I know he has a lot of people who like him and a lot of people who don't like him. But regardless of if you like it or not, having a voice like that, you know, sort of saying like this has to be reviewed because it's pretty much a travesty if it doesn't happen. Uh, mm-hmm. And he, I'm guessing he did that on his own accord, like he didn't go rolling write, write an article for me. Um, yeah, like that. That is that has a, that has a lot of weight um, for you know the people in in the sport. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, I'm just hoping for you, for your sake and probably selfishly for our sake. Um, that it all gets sorted in time because, like I said, you know, years don't come back and we want to see you have that opportunity as soon as possible. We've seen a lot of drivers recently who all they've needed is one great, uh, you know, one great opportunity. In a super, uh, you know, we've seen Stanaway do it. Golding's done it. Hopefully you can be the... Feeney did it. Hopefully you can be the next one. Um, mm-hmm. But thank you so much for your time and sort of shedding some light on that situation. Um, Absolutely. My pleasure. We're going we're to be watching you still in the uh, S5000s, but if we can see you in a supercar before the end of this year, that's going to be a fantastic, you know, product for us to watch. 
Uh, don't let us down though when when that opportunity <laughs> arises. <laughs> because Definitely right. Like, a lot of words for nothing. But no, thank you so much for coming on yeah. and sort of just shedding some light on that. Um, Absolutely. For you because you know we we just like seeing the talent sort of given that opportunity at the top. Yep. Yep. Right. No, I appreciate it. Thank you very much, Joseph. No worries, Joey. Thank you for coming on with us. My pleasure, man. My pleasure. Cheers. Thank you, mate. All right, bud.